So the big question is this, how do most agents who don't have access to the secrets that most successful agents hoard to themselves grow and prosper in today's competitive real estate environment? That's the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Pat Hyben and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. And now for the review of the day. Okay, I got a five-star review from Zoe. Five stars called Super Helpful. Super Helpful, probably one of the most helpful podcasts for me to get inspirations and good ideas for my real estate business. The guests always share great insight and I love the tools each guest shares on their website after the podcast. Thanks, Pat. Keep up the great work. Keep the comments coming, guys. I love them. And remember, I eat feedback for breakfast. So give me a one-star review if you want or a five-star review if you want. I don't care. And the more reviews we get, the better guests we get. So please, subscribe first and then leave us a review or wherever you're listening. All right, Rockstar Nation, I got a little bit different guest today. I got a, a guy who's a flipper, and I know I've had some flippers on before, and it's not so much that this is a, I want to take this podcast to an investing realm, although I do believe that all you guys should be investing. It's that a lot has changed, and a lot has changed for real estate agents who should or maybe shouldn't be flipping, and um, a lot has changed for investors looking to flip. And uh, a lot is going to change even more in the next year. And I wanted to dig deep, deep, deep into this realm current day. So I asked this guy to come on. Uh, his name is uh, Lee Carney, and he is crushing it in the flipping game. It flipped, it flipped himself over 7,000 homes. And uh, so anyways, he's an expert in the, in the realm, and uh, we're going to learn a lot from him. So without further ado, Lee, welcome to Real Estate Rockstars, brother. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, why don't you tell everybody about yourself, Lee, so they get to know you better. Sure, sure. So I'll try to give you the shortened version of my last uh, 15, 16 years in real estate. So 2003, flipped my first home by accident. I bought a penthouse condo back in Ireland, which is where I'm from. Got broken into within the first month. Decided to put it back in the market, said this is not for me. Flipped it in three months, start to finish, by accident, made 30 grand. And at the time, I had a job where I was making about 35 base plus commission. So I'm thinking, I just made my year's salary flipping a house. For me, the light bulb went off. That was a life-changing moment where I realized if I could do that by accident, imagine I actually put my mind to this. So I decided right there and then I was going to try to pursue flipping houses. Right after that, I moved to California and I was going to school at the time. And one of the things I did, I didn't necessarily know the word mentor, but I knew I needed to find someone who could show me the ropes. So I asked a lot of questions, finally stumbled upon a guy who I went to church with who flipped houses. And I said, Greg, can I just follow you around? Can I just jump in the car? Can I help you pick up supplies? You tell me what you need me to do and I'll do it, but I just want to learn from you. So I spent many afternoons with Greg driving around, looking at his houses, helping him you know, evaluate the repairs, do his checklist, that kind of stuff. And what I realized is I got a box from him in San Bernardino, which is where I live, San Bernardino, California. He said, buy in this area buy at this price and try to buy a probate. I didn't even know what a probate was. I guess someone, you know, at the time I knew something about someone dying and 
It, was, it I meant all I knew was a good deal. If it was a probate, it was a good deal. So I found this little old lady agent to, to buy, buy me a house. And she said, Lee, after about four months, she sent me a whole bunch of dud deals. They're all around 160,000. You know, Greg's telling me I needed to buy it at 130. This deal came up at 135,000. So I put in my offer. I had some private financing. I got the deal. So now I'm scared to death. I'm closing on this probate deal, but it's in the right area. Greg told me it was going to work out. Put about 15 grand into it. Made my first mistake. Uh, my, yes, my first mistake on my first house, which is where I lived in the house while I was rehabbing it. Somehow after getting electrocuted, breaking the plumbing, almost having an antenna fall on my head. I mean, just crazy stuff trying to do it myself while living in the home. Made about 35 grand on that deal. So now I'm two for two. Bought my third house in California. Well, my second purposeful flip, but my third actual flip, I guess. Made my second and third mistake on my second house there in California. I had a friend rehab it and they moved to Florida and tried to do it remotely. And for those of you out there who want to be a flipper, don't try to rehab a house where, you don't, where you're not on the ground. You can do it after you flip thousands of homes because we do that now. But your first few homes, when you're just figuring out how to rehab a house. So it took about six months to rehab this house. Still made about 10 grand. Just skated out the back door. The California market starting to shift at that point in 2005. Thank goodness made a profit. Moved to Florida. At that point, asked the same questions. Said, where do I find real estate? What's a good deal? One of my friend's fathers was a flipper. And he said, buy at the courthouse steps. So all these kind of questions are going to my head. What's the courthouse steps? He goes, that's where foreclosures go. What's a foreclosure? And this might sound silly to a lot of people out there, but the bigger point I wanted to make to your audience is that these are not dumb questions when you don't know. So I try to be very, very nice when people are asking me these elementary questions. I didn't know the answers. So I went down to the foreclosure auction. It was a live auction at the time. And one of the things we're going to be talking about today, which you alluded to before the show, is what's changed in the last few years. Well, what's really changed, everything's going online. It's all, it's all digital. And so there was live auctions back then. I'm bidding against, it seemed like a room full of used car salespeople. It was crazy. People are winking and nodding and there's all sorts of hand gestures. And I have no idea what's going on. But I knew that I was on the outside and that there was something going on. Yeah, you were I, in the middle of a federal antitrust scheme is what was going on. It was <laughs> a lot of winking and hand gesturing. I mean, that's how you go to jail, right? With the, when you tell everybody what you're going to bid. So, I mean, so... So yeah. you fast forward now and you're, you're flipping how many houses a year now? Several hundred. You know, we, we've Several slowed hundred. down. What states? Right now we buy in about 20 different states. Oh, shit. What? Um, okay. So let, let's, let's talk about this. So, you know, the, a lot of agents are wondering, am I too late? Right? Am I in the 10th inning of a nine inning game? And, and should I even be getting into flipping? That, that's a good question. The market's become very efficient over the last couple of years. So I would say that there, there's really two, two questions here. One is the agent going into real estate as an agent. And the second one is an agent thinking about flipping. So if you'd let me, I, I would like to answer both questions. Okay. So, so the, you said the first part was an agent saying, should I get my license? Well, should I actually pursue a career in real estate? Is this the wrong time to trying to be putting my foot down on the pedal? Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Let's say someone's listening to this that is, you know, thinking about getting their license or in the process of getting their license. And, you know, I didn't even think about that to ask you, but candidly, is it a bad time to get my license? Well, the reason I asked you to ask me that question is because that actually feeds into the investment side. What's happening in the agent world is it's changing before our eyes. You look at Redfin, you look at Zillow, you look at Open Door. 
all three of those flat those platforms are either a trying to reduce the agent down to just the processing fee or b trying to cut the agent out let's, so for let's, any let's slow this down so <laughs> this is funny so trying to reduce the agent down to the processing fee i've never heard it put like that like like you're saying that technology the technology that's out there that's coming down the pike that isn't even there yet but is in the minds of of these really really brilliant scientists that have billions of dollars behind them by big corporations is to reduce the agent's job down to a processing fee all right yes. elaborate on that yeah 100% because what they're trying to do is connect a buyer and a seller and make the agent's function a process, just like a title company. And in fact, you look at stuff without getting too far out there, cryptocurrency and that technology with blockchain technology, that technology is trying to even cut out stuff like title and escrow because you can have a secure contract, have everything go from start to finish automatically with no interruption, no third parties needed. And that's the whole place that technology is going in real estate. Take me in your mind, and this is good, right? On the same path, being, being manic in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario for the agent. How are consumers going to buy a house in the future? Sure. Well, you're already seeing it now where it's become a function of Uber. Hey, I would like, you're the seller, I'm the buyer. I want to buy your house. I click for an agent. Agent says, yep, I'll show you the house. You meet them at the house. They show you the house. You get the deal done at a reduced commission and the deal is done because ultimately if you and I want to transact what technology and these bigger companies are recognizing you and I can transact just like we can in a car just like any other purchase that we do online why can't we do the same thing with real estate because the reality is if I don't need you or an agent to drive me around 20 different houses I know I want to buy your house and you know I want to sell you the house why do we need that three or six percent now that might annoy a lot of agents out there in your audience, and and it well should. But the reality is that is where everything's going. And okay, so so here's the thing. Yeah. So I I I mean I'm not disagreeing with you on this. Now my question is, there's been some company, and I've had them on the show. We talked to a lot of technology companies on the show. A Solo Pro, a Golden, who became Golden Key, was backed by Lowe's, right? The department store went out of business, right? And that that was, you know, that was their gig. And, and I, there's, there's been a couple other people that, that have tried to do that, right? Were they too early? Now, what's going on? Like, why, you know, what's going to happen? Does it just need staying power? Or a lot of agents would argue, no, it's the reason that the Golden Key went out of business was because they couldn't, um, because the, the consumer still needed the handholding. They still needed the human interaction. I would say both. Technology is still moving forward. So that's been one thing that's inhibiting it. Also, early adapters are the first people that, that actually take to technology. And so the market's got to get used to this. Now, there's going to be certain buyers and sellers that want to transact direct. There's going to be certain sellers and certain buyers that want an agent. So I don't think it's either or. But, but for an agent to say that I'm going to build an entire business model around a 6% full listing model, I think that they're, they're missing the boat. And there's certain brokerages out there that are not adapting technology. They're not becoming volume-based businesses. They're not even trying to focus on that. They're sticking in this old 6% model. And there's a lot of consumers out there, both on the buyer side and seller side, going, I just want to deal directly with the other party. I just want you to process this transaction. 
And so I think there is room in the market for both. And I think that an agent getting into this market should realize that that's where the market's heading. And one of the sayings I always say, whether it's investing or anything to do with real estate or really business at all, don't fight the tide. The tide is way bigger than you or I or anyone else on this show. So our job is to figure out where the opportunity is and go with that and try to figure out how to capitalize on that. So I'm not having a, a, a blanket answer to say agents are going to be gone in two years, but definitely there's a huge portion of transactions that these bigger companies are trying to either dissect, put into a box where it's just a processing fee or cut the agent out altogether. And anyone who doesn't see that, I think, is blind as to what's happening. And the, and the interesting thing about that is, you know, you know, the commission on a million-dollar house is 10 times the commission on a $100,000 house. And so that doesn't make any logical sense for a processing fee, right? The, the processing fee for a million-dollar house would still be nine ninety five, and the processing fee for a $100,000 house would still be nine ninety five, right? So, so it's going to totally uh, explode the variable, you know, the variation in, in commissions based on sale price. Am I making sense? You are. You are. And the thing with a million-dollar home is, well, who's showing your home? How is it being marketed? There's a lot of things that go on behind the scene that an agent does that's a lot more than a processing fee. But if you take a $100,000 house, it's for an investor. I'm an investor buyer. You're an investor seller. And we want to transact. I don't think that there's $6,000 in commission that needs to be spent to transact that. And I, I believe a lot of people would agree with me on that. Well, you know who's marketing it? As far as what? The house. You know, here's the thing. 20 years ago, yeah, there was a lot of emphasis of, of you know, how do I market this house, right? I, before the internet, right? Oh, I make this fancy brochure. Oh, I go to the country club and tell everybody about it. Oh, I, right. you know, pay money to put it in the paper. Well, now a house is advertised without the agent. You know, right. Zillow's marketing the house. That's who's marketing it. Right. You know, there's agents that go on listing appointments that, pretend like they're marketing it the way they did 20 years ago and say, right. I, I, I'm this all-powerful marketing source. But in reality, in that perspective from compared to where it is 20 years ago today, I don't want this taken out of context saying agents oh. don't do anything because they do a lot. They work really hard. But compared to 20 years ago from a marketing perspective, the agent is doing less and less and less and the, the people like Zillow and Redfin and, and Realtor.com, right? They're the ones that are actually marketing these properties, not the agent. So it's interesting what's going on in this space. What a lot of these big players are doing are trying to attract leads. And so what's going on behind the scenes is that they're selling the leads. And that's the real hustle behind a lot of these big websites. It's becoming a trap to capture leads. And then the leads get resold to agents. So to your point, the listing agent is definitely working a lot less. Because if I put a listing, even if me as an investor, let's suppose it was not licensed, for $99 in most MLSs, I can get my property listed. And to your point, not only is it syndicated to Zillow, there's a couple dozen sites, probably two or three dozen sites, automatically, as soon as I list it on the MLS for $99, where it's syndicated, and buyers can call me direct. And so what's really, really interesting about that, that makes a strong case, especially on the listing side, but yeah, you don't need an agent. And any agent that doesn't recognize that, I really feel like that they're missing the boat on that. Now, to your point about the buyer's agent, 
there is, they're the ones that are truly working hard because the listing agent could be sitting on the beach with 20 listings while the buyer's agent is in the car all weekend taking calls at nine o'clock at night from their buyer and doing the work to show these homes. But what these bigger companies are recognize, if a buyer has found this asset, really going back to your point, not through the agent's marketing, but they just see it online going, I want that house and you're the seller, they're figuring out a way to connect the buyer and the seller for a much cheaper cost, still make a profit for their company too, and really make that a much more seamless transaction. And so sometimes you can have a case where there's too many parties involved in transaction and they're not needed. So I don't think it's one answer or the other, but I do think it's important that agents that are coming into traditional real estate to just be a real estate agent need to be aware of everything that's going on. My second point to that was okay, that- and, and, and yeah, and, and so just to, just to summarize this first answer to the question, guys, it's like, hey, he's saying, yeah, it's, a, it's still a great time to get into business, but it, you, know, you know, the agent that made six figures yesterday will be making five figures tomorrow because the, the, the profit per deal will be diminished by technology. Does that sum up your answer, Lee? I think it does in most areas of real estate. There's always going to be certain niches where you're dealing, like for instance, if you're dealing with an older person that is not technology driven, they're probably going to feel very, very comfortable with this traditional model. But if you got, you know, people, the younger generation is coming up, they recognize, I want the house. They don't want the agent to send them listings, by the way. They don't want that. They want to be able to find their house and they want to be able to boss around their buyer's agent and tell them which houses they want to see. And that's what's going on in today's market. But the bigger point is- There will always be people that are willing to pay. And it's the same thing with, with like you, you mentioned Uber and Lyft, right? If you're in New York and, and you've got bank and, and you want to ride you know, to and fro, you have a limo driver and you're willing to pay that limo driver. You call him Carl and you're like, how you doing, Carl? How's the family? You're paying money. You might be paying $100,000, $200,000 a year for a limo driver. But if you don't want to, you just get an Uber, right? And, and pay a heck of a lot less. And the same thing, I think what you're saying is in real estate, there always be people that are willing to pay to have their hand held, to, to go through the process and the emotions of it and, and, and that sort of thing. But you're saying there are more people will be gravitating towards the Uber or Lyft model of, you know, just show me the house and I'll, I'll type in my offer on a um, letter of intent online and it'll go directly to the seller and the seller will open up my letter of intent. And oh, by the way, it will be carbon copied to the agent as a favor to the agent. And the agent is welcome to throw his two cents in, but the deal, you know, but the agent's not the one in the middle. I think that's what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. So, so basically traditional real estate was one size fits all. It's like we do a full listing and that's it. What I'm saying is there's two other buckets out there, which is the limited, basically a processing fee. And then there's a no agent. These bigger companies are saying, how do we profit and how do we cater to the people who just wanted a process fee and those who want no agent? That, that's really what I'm trying to say. And that old model didn't address those two clients. Hey, real estate rock stars. This is Pat Hyben. And before we jump back into today's content, I want to tell you about an extraordinary offer from an extraordinary company. I'm talking about my outdesk. If you haven't heard of my outdesk, basically they are a virtual assistant company. 
a VA company that specializes in virtual assistants for real estate agents. Yeah, I'm talking about transaction coordinators, marketing assistants. I'm talking about ISAs, inside sales agents that prospect thousands and thousands of seller leads and buyer lead follow-ups. I mean, these guys are trained in this stuff specifically. You're not using a company that doesn't know or understand real estate sales. Four out of five of the top teams in the U.S. use my Outdesk for their virtual assistants. And because I know the owner, Daniel Ramsey, I've known him for over a decade, and I know how awesome and incredible this company is and how it saves agents thousands and thousands of dollars every single week and makes them thousands and thousands of more every single week, we're going to give you a $400 coupon off of your first month of a virtual assistant and give you access and give you a free book entitled scaling your business with virtual professionals so you can like read it and look into it before you decide anything it's called scaling your business with virtual professionals and you can get it real easy all you got to do is text the word hyban h-i-b-a-n to 31996 that's h-i-b-a-n to 31996 and download your free book, Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. And don't forget to mention also that you get a $400 discount, which will give you a coupon for that when you download the book. Thank you guys, and I hope you enjoy and make a ton of money using my Outdesk. So let's let's move where we where we began. I mean, that was a great conversation. Don't get me wrong; I yeah. love having it. So, but let's move where we began. Is it a good time for agents to be flipping? I think it is. I think that the the, the strategy that I teach and the, the reality is that's a timeless transaction or a timeless investing tool is wholesaling. That is the best strategy out there. Wholesaling, by tradition, is selling it before you buy it. What I mean by that, I lock up a contract that's assignable. And I assign the contract before I have to actually take possession. Of get in and get out, right? Get That's in it. and get out. Just flip it to. And why? I mean, the question is, would you have given that advice three years ago? No. Three years ago, it made a lot of sense to be rehabbing and putting value into the properties because appreciation is a rehabber's best friend because you can go over budget, you can screw up on your exit price, and the market will take care of all those mistakes. Appreciation is a rehabbers or flippers best friend right or absolutely rehab, yeah because if you screw up you're you've got some cushion because it's gone up in value while you waited right 100 um, while, while it took while it took too long okay took too long you went over budget and you're still making money okay okay what about today why has it changed the market i've seen tighten up most primary markets and a lot of this we need to take a journey back to the fed funds rate so back in 2008, Obama, you know, we're not getting political here, by the way, he was the president at the time, put the rate back to the Fed funds rate was dropped to 0.25%. That basically is zero. Now that stayed at almost zero until 2015. Since 2015, that's gone up over 2%, which has directly affected mortgage rates. So if you take your borrower even three years ago, they were getting a mortgage rate of 3.5% or less. You take a mortgage borrower today, they're getting a 5%-ish rate. Big, big difference. Now you take a $300,000 house and you take a borrower who is maxed out at 3.5%, 
That same borrower with a 5% can only afford a 250 grand house. There's a big, big difference. That's directly affecting flippers. So if you've got rising interest rates and rising prices, what's gonna to happen to affordability? It's gonna go down. So what we're seeing is a lot of primary markets are hitting the ceiling of affordability, which is in very, very basic terms, an average family in that market affording an average home. And what we're seeing in a lot of primary markets is an average family can no longer afford an average home. The good news is at the lower end of the market, that means they start downgrading homes because they're trying to find something they can't afford. So the good news for flippers at the really low range and for landlords who've held these lower end properties, they start to come up at the end of the real estate cycle. Those really cheap properties go for top dollar because the properties in nicer areas are unaffordable. So that's the one benefit at the very end of the cycle. But if you take the game musical chairs, I'm sure you're aware of that game. Yeah, this this is great stuff. So, you know, yeah, what happens at the end of musical chairs? Well, musical chairs, right? They stop the music and they pull a chair out and then one little girl cries and, and runs to her parents uh, because she can't sit down anymore. And then they start the music again. They pull out another chair and then another kid cries and runs to their parents because they can't sit down until there's only one chair left and that's the winner. So, yeah, so what happens now in musical chairs here, my analogy to that in real estate is there's going to be a whole bunch of flippers at the end of the cycle that have overpaid for properties and can't get out of these properties because they're going to be selling them into a downward market. And so it's important when you get into the bottom of the market, you're an investor. So each time the rates go up, each time the days on the market increases. Tightening the screws. It's tightening the screws. You on, know, on a chair is pulled. A chair is pulled. A chair is pulled. And then all of a sudden, you have thousands of, of flippers yep. with pulled chairs who who are into a house for 150. Right. And it's on the market for $139.9 and, uh, and collecting $2,000 a month in interest every month and not selling. Absolutely. And that is called losing the game. I 100% agree with you. And, and so, that's when you go cry to your parents. <laughs> right. So what I, what I guess what I'm trying to say is if we're aware that all this is going on, we're aware the affordability is going down, you got to position yourself if you're an investor to be able to take advantage of that. You want to be liquid with money, so you want to reduce your debt. You want to reduce your leverage. You, you don't want to be doing two-year projects. You want to be doing paint, carpet, in and out. Also, if we recognize that the effect of affordability is a lot more of these higher-end homes, what do you want to be rehabbing? Lower-end homes. So this is exactly what we're doing in our business. We focus on 200000 and under affordable homes, average homes for average families, cosmetic rehabs, and a lot of wholesaling. And that's really what we're doing so that, yeah, if there's a disastrous shift in the market, we're out of all of our properties in three months or less. Unlike the stock market, the real estate market doesn't crash in one day. The real estate market moves in quarters and trends certain directions. So even if you take California, the worst hit market in the country in the last decade, that market over, I believe it was six, uh, 36 months, declined 60%. If you take that, so yeah, if you take that per month though, that's two or 3%. There's plenty of warning. There's plenty of like, hey, there's a huge problem here. Yes, if you held it for three years, you would have lost 60%, but you didn't take a 60% bath in one day. So that's another reason why I like real estate because it is predictable. You can see days on market going up. You can see supply going up. You can even look at your own inventory and see that stuff. And you can make decisions proactively instead of waiting a year. And to your point, being upside down in a house, made a year more of payments and wondering what happened. 
So I always tell people out there, and I'm really telling your audiences, look at your local market. Every market's different. Look at your state. See what's going on. Is there any state rules that have affected what's going on bigger than just your local market? And then look at the national market. Something like interest rates yeah. affects the entire country. It's not just a Florida thing or a Tampa thing. Generally speaking, mortgages are almost 2% more expensive than they were three years ago. So that has to be factored in. And if prices are going up, again, you got two things working against you. Prices going up and rates going up, affordability 100% is going down. And see, real estate agents can factor themselves into the wholesale equation a lot easier than they think. Like, like really, like if you do a wholesale deal, what percentage do you try to get out of it? You personally, like, a, you know, 10%, 5%, whatever. If you buy a house for 100 and you're going to wholesale it, what do you try to get, Lee? Well, on these lower end homes, we, we have taken percentage off the table and it's 10 grand. So we've decided okay. as, a, as a company. So my point to that is on a $20,000 house, I'd literally need to buy it at five because unless I can make 10 grand, going back to your point at 10%, $2,000 doesn't cover my company overhead. Right. So our minimum bar is 10 grand. We try to make at least 10% on these higher homes up to 10 to 20% would be a good range for wholesale. Okay. So as well, my point is, as an agent, if you're charging, you know, whatever you're charging, you know, uh, if, if you get the list and the buy side, right, both sides of the commission, it's close. I mean, it's, it's not 10%, but it's, it's still a big chunk of change if you're getting both ends. So rather than saying to a little old lady who wants to sell her house in a day and, and, you know, not have to do the hassle rather than saying, Hey, let me buy it from you, sign these papers, and then I'm going to wholesale it and make 10% or make 10 grand or whatever. You could just say, okay, let me list it. I'm going to get both sides of the deal. I'm not going to MLS it. And I'm going to just put it out there to wholesaler groups and say, hey, I got this deal. Here's my commission. You know, and, and it's essentially making the same amount of money. You know what I mean? Or, or close to it. Sure. I mean, if we take another analogy, let's take a, a $100,000 home that the agent has a seller willing to sell at $80,000. Now, this is where you get into ethics and a lot of other things that are a little bit fuzzy. In my opinion, though, I would say to the client, I can list your home at $100,000. I can buy it for you cash for $80,000. Which one would you like to do? I see nothing wrong with that. In that particular case, they say, you know what? I'd prefer a cash offer at $80,000. You lock it up at eighty. dollars you wholesale for 90, you make 10 grand, your buyer gets a deal, you make 10 grand, you're out of the transaction. This is well, let, Let's talk about the ethics portion of it because I, I know you have a real estate background as well. You have a broker's license and you have a couple agents. Do, would you, I, I think it's important to know if you do that, certainly the, the easiest way around that, not around it, but straight through it is to say, to put in writing like a third grader can understand, I am buying this for 80 and I plan on selling it for a hundred in a very short period of time, maybe 30 days, maybe one week sign here. And then once they sign that, I think you're clear, but these agents that are going around, you know, assuming they can, they're going to do that without disclosing everything and anything, that's where it becomes unethical, right? I do agree with you. Generally speaking, if you created a broad stroke across real estate, the biggest place that, that people run into problems is two areas that are licensed. One is non-disclosure, and two is misappropriation of clients' funds, just like attorneys. That's the two places where the, the local people, the local boards can come down with you, the state authorities gonna come down to you, and the feds. 
if you lie to the public or you misappropriate their money, that's the two big no-nos. So always when I'm doing a transaction, am I lying to the public and I miss, am I misappropriating money? Uh, like the simplest way, by the way, to misappropriate someone's money is escrow deposits. For me as a broker, we never, ever, ever, ever hold escrow because I never want to be in a situation where I've misappropriated someone's money. That's just my personal opinion on something simple like escrow. I always have the title company hold it. And to your point, disclosure, disclosure, disclosure. It's very rare, even if you have made a misstep against your particular board's rule, your state rule, and you got to go in front and defend yourself. To your point, you've got all that paperwork going, I showed them everything. I showed them the transaction. They agreed to do it. I disclosed I was licensed. I disclosed what I was doing with the property. They chose to do this transaction. I didn't defraud anybody. I made my best effort to disclose everything. It's going to be very rare. Like, obviously, I can't give legal advice out to your, to your clients, but common sense would dictate it's going to be very hard to nail someone to the wall who did everything in their power to disclose exactly what was going on. Wow. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of interesting things going on with affordability. And I think that, uh, you know, one of them obviously is the builders, you know, there's no profit in them building affordable housing. So they all build really expensive stuff. And, and I saw how Microsoft, um, you know, is investing, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars out, out Seattle way to, to build like all affordable housing to help out, you know, that, that problem. So here's a great question I got for you, uh, and I hope it's uh, okay putting you on the spot sure. like that. But, but um, so you got Open Door, you got um, Offer Pad. Keller Williams has announced that they're creating their own version of that, right? A lot of the big real estate teams have created their own version of that. Uh, I really and and as you know, Zillow, who has a, a it's a public company, right? I don't, I don't know what they're value is but billions of dollars right uh, has created their own version of that do you think they're going to put guys like you out of business i mean i think it's just a matter of time before the little wholesalers the little flippers or whatever just gonna be you know a fancy word is i buyer but they're it's basically they're basically flippers they call guys like you flippers and they call the big conglomerate corporations i buyers but can companies like Keller Williams and Rheology and Zillow put you out of business? They could in theory, but the reality is in business, you got to find your niche. And so I've been doing this for over 15 years. I've moved with technology. I've moved with the different sources of properties. And so, yes, they might be able to deal direct with one seller and tie up a deal. And I think Keller Williams is right on point with this because they're taking the hybrid model of the handholding model with the cash buyer, you put the, the two together, you got a pretty powerful tool there in your tool belt because you're not an eye buyer. You're not an evil investor like me. You're somewhere in, in the middle. You get to wear your agent hat while meanwhile offering an investor solution. I think that's extremely smart from Keller Williams. But to your, but to your and point- And also on the, on the back end, there's a commission. You know what I mean? Like, and, you know, so, so with the eye buyer, they may buy it, I don't know how the, the economics of it's going to work, like what the agent will get, if anything. But the, I think the benefit to the agent is after it's fixed up and put back on the market for sale, they'll get a full commission. Generally speaking with the eye buyers, you're going to see a reduced commission across the board. Where yeah. commissions are offered, it's going to be a, com a compressed commission, both on the buy side and the sell side. Now, with Keller Williams, yes, they can do the hand-holding model 
where they provide a cash sale. They, they can work with investors on the back end where they'll say, hey, I'll feed cash where you buy a cash, but I want the listing on the other sides. So I think there's a world of possibilities when you combine a brokerage technology and really combine the brokerage model and the investor model together. But going back to your original question, can these people put us out of business? If I'm not trying to buy from multiple sources, you're absolutely correct. But investor like me who's nimble, again, I'm not going to be a small guy. I'm not an eye buyer. I'm a mid-size real estate investor at this point. And the biggest tool in our tool belt is having multiple sources. Bird dogs bring us deals. We buy from online auctions. We buy from live auctions. We'll buy off the MLS. We'll buy from agents that bring us deals. And the fact that our door is always open and our policy is this. We don't care who you are. We don't care how much money you're making. If it's a deal that we can buy, we'll buy it. And when you take that philosophy as a true investor, it opens up a world of possibilities as far as properties coming in your door. So I think that that's one of my biggest strengths. I've put it out to the world that I'm an easy buyer to deal with. Bring me your deal, make as much money as you want. And that's going to be different. That's a different niche than Keller Williams sitting down and presenting a cash offer, a traditional listing, and all of those kind of things, or an iBuyer that's over the phone on a 1-800 number dealing with someone going, well, I can pay you $156,300 because that's what my algorithm says. There's different strokes for different folks. And I have a big, wide audience and a big, wide audience of sources that bring me properties. You know what will be interesting, and I don't know if this has been thought of yet, but you, you know how the need for speed helped create the need for speed and the need for ease helped create the CarMax phenomena, right? So you just have a car, you put it in your local paper, local people see it. You go look at, I bought cars myself this way, right? You go look at it, you test drive it, you buy it. And then CarMax basically, and other companies now like CarMax, you know, the, you, you go in, you see millions, tons of cars and, and it's no hassle, which is part of the ease. So you wonder if an iBuyer will then buy houses, right? Create their own inventory, which by the way, if you haven't uh, noticed or heard, Zillow is now advertising their own iBuyer listings on the right. first few pages, right? But anyways, so you have your own inventory and then you do just like CarMax did, no hassle buying, which means, which means you can't negotiate, right? It, it removes the need to have, the, uh, again, more of that human being, right? Because you're like, oh, I don't want to get ripped off where you say, just like CarMax did, you say, hey, listen, we give, we give a 12-month uh, you know, warranty on this car that you buy and there's no negotiating, Take it or leave it. What if the iBuyer then says, let's say it's Zillow or whoever, you can buy any of our houses. You can, uh, they come with a warranty for a year and there's no negotiation. So you guys just look online, spend all the time on your line, pick which one you want, da 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 da, da And you can do, you can make your offer and all that crap over the internet. You don't need a, a, a human being because you know, it's guaranteed by our company and the price is what the price is. There's no, you, you know what I mean? It, it takes out that perplexion of it. Do you think that's possible? Absolutely it is. It's, it's it, going back to your point. It's the I'll buy yours, you buy mine philosophy. It keeps everything in house. And when you're dealing directly, transacting directly between a seller and a buyer, who's then going to become a buyer. Absolutely. That's possible. I think that that's, that's already happening. There's people doing versions of what you're talking about. For instance, I, part of my students, 
some of them actually have a trade-up model. They're home builders. They said, you know what? I can't compete with the big home builder. So you know what they did? They said, I'll buy your house and you buy mine. So for someone who's having trouble selling their home, they'll say, I'll put you into your home. I'll buy your house right away. I'll take the time to sell it and fix it up. But you can move into my brand new house the day it's finished built. And that's really cool. Just like the cars. Yeah, just yeah. like the trade-in. And the trade-in for cars was invented decades ago, you know? Absolutely. It's kind of like it's funny when you think about Uber. I always laugh about this. Like pizza company's been doing this for 30, 40 years. So it's, it's funny when you see Uber. I'm like the, the pizza guys got this down when there was no Google Maps, nothing. Somehow they figured out how to get a pizza at my door 30 years ago. And so I actually have a lot of respect. When you think about trailblazers in the industry, the pizza industry by nature has been a trailblazer when it comes to delivering food to your door. I think a lot of people forget that. Imagine, imagine having no Google. Yeah, I, I, I never even thought about that. Yeah, the pizza, right? And then, and then, of course, like you know, now you got Uber Eats and all this stuff, and you're like, you know, wow, that's new. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not new. If a pizza's twelve bucks and a burger and fries is twelve bucks, what's the difference? It's exact. You're exactly right. But I, the reason I take my hat off to them, they were trailblazers, just figuring out a solution to this problem with no technology. And I think that that's pretty cool. If someone actually reminded me of that a few months ago. I thought about it. I'm like, oh, Uber's not that cool. They just took the pizza model and applied it to different foods with better technology. So anyway, uh, going back to your point, yes, the I buy yours, you buy mine. Dealing direct, when you're transacting direct with sellers and buyers, absolutely, that's, there's possible. There's people doing versions of that. And to your point, that's another subsect of the market. There is people that just want to transact direct. They want no haggling. There's people that want the haggling. There's people that want their hand held by an agent because they're scared they're going to get ripped off. So there is a market for all three of those. Yeah, very interesting. Very, very. I mean, there's some fascinating stuff happen, happening. And, and, and I appreciate you, Lee, coming on and talking about all this high-minded stuff. And For sure. You know, God only knows where the future will lie, but it, it is fun to talk about. And, and um, I think, you know, a certain, certain portions of this people need to take into account in, in all their decisions that they're making now because it is – a pivotal, a pivotal time in, uh, in this industry. So, hybendigital.com backslash Lee Kearney. Now, guys, here's how it's spelled. Car it's actually Carney, but, you know, you would think, like, like I, I, had a, I had a friend in college, the uh, last name Carney was C-A-R-N-E-Y, but I don't want you to remember that because that's not how he does it. Somehow, his, uh, his ancestor scratched the record a little bit. So, it's Lee, L-E-E-K-E-A-R-N-E-Y. L E E K E A R N E Y, hybendigital.com, backslash Lee Carney. All his information there. If you guys want to reach out to him, I'm going to put a link to his, to his website, uh, his coaching website. I'm going to put a link to his social media. Everything we talked about will be in the show notes. Uh, Lee, this has been brilliant, buddy. I appreciate you coming on. I wish you the best of luck. If I'm ever in Tampa, Florida, yeah, I will uh, definitely look you up and we'll break some bread. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on the show. Rockstar Nation, thank you for listening to Real Estate Rockstars. Listen, I need a favor. If you find this free content helpful, if you find our downloadable items from each guest helpful, please, I need you to pull out your pointing finger. Yes, the one finger that points at people and hit subscribe. Yes, subscribe. The more subscribers we get, 
the better we look in the ratings and the easier it is to get guests like Robert Kiyosaki, Barbara Corcoran, all the players that are on the million dollar listing in the different cities. All that stuff makes it easier the more subscribers we get. So please subscribe and listen. There's a lot of places you can leave comments. There's a lot of places you can like. We're on Facebook. We have an Instagram page. Instagram page is I am Pat Hyben. The Facebook is Real Estate Rockstars Radio. Feel free to leave us comments there. The most popular form of commenting seems to happen on YouTube. Yes, for whatever reason, it's a very open environment. So just go to YouTube and go to Real Estate Rockstars Radio and leave us comments there. Some of them we will read on the show. And we love your feedback. So thanks, guys, and I hope you are having a great day. Oh, and also, listen, if you're going to subscribe and you haven't already left us a, a review on iTunes, please do that too. Have a great day, and thanks so much, Rockstar Nation. I really appreciate you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>